Clubhouse bonus episode, Secrets to Powerful PD for Teachers. Hey, Elite Educators, it's Gretchen here from Always a Lesson. I'm popping in here with a super exciting bonus episode. I have been leading chats on the Clubhouse app, which is an audio conversation platform for months now. I created the Instructional Coaching Club on Clubhouse, and I lead those chats Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern, so I sure hope you join us. But if not, drum roll please, you can catch the replay right here. How cool is that? This is a new feature Clubhouse has rolled out, so the past chats we've held are not recorded. It's such a bummer. However, going forward, I will be sharing the replay with you here. Even more professional support for you on your edu leadership journey. So let's dive into the convo. Okay. All right. You hear me, Erica? Can I grab Yes. I'm. Let me just switch my headphones. Okay. But not. But nothing. Nothing that is. <laughs> on your end. How are you? <laughs> good. Hey, Melissa, welcome to the room. My goodness. Um, this is the, the app has changed. I haven't been on in a while. So where's the ping button? Um, yeah, I have it. Also. What's this cut? Oh, you can share a clip. Yeah, you can share a clip, oh, which the, is pretty fun. Nope, that's the back channel. Oh, the plus sign? Yeah, plus sign. Where? I don't have it. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Right next to it. So it says leave quietly, and then there's a scissors, and then there's a plus and a microphone. Yep, mine doesn't have it. I don't know. You might just have to be the pinger tonight. All right, I'm pinging some people. <laughs> okay, good. Hey, Christina, good to see you. Fanti, as always. Yeah, I know. Let me see. Someone really wanted to be in the chat. Marilyn, we got to get her in here. Um, anyway, I'm so glad you were able to do that. Y'all, we have not been together and it's got to feel like a month by now. We've had some scheduling issues with someone who was going to come on from education leadership and just ended up having some staffing issues, surprising enough, and we just couldn't make it work. And then we've had some holidays. So I'm glad we are finally back together again. We've decided we're going to meet Sundays at 8 Eastern, but we're going to do it every other week. So tonight and then skip a week and then we'll see you back here. That way uh, everyone can get a little PD and not have to commit each and every week. And this replay will be available here. So if you have to leave the conversation, you want to come back, you can listen here. Hey, Eva. Um, but you can also hear it all broadcast it on the podcast. So that's all the little logistics. Erica, before we get into the conversation, can you share a little bit about your background, how you got into your position now, and obviously your love for PD because you are the PD queen. <laughs> Thanks, Gretchen. Yeah, so hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to keep trying to ping people, and I'm really sad that it's not working for you, Gretchen. Um, but if if you all uh, want to ping some people also, we can get this uh, room uh, filled up, but really happy that everyone is here right now. I am Erica Harrell. Um, I have been in education for over 12 years now, um, started off like probably most of us as a teacher, and then quickly moved into school leadership um, as a director of curriculum instruction, which was similar to an instructional cultural, and then principal, um, and then worked at a small charter network at the network level for a few years also. Um, I currently work full-time um, at an ed, uh, ed nonprofit now, and have a consultant business um, where I support educators, both um, educators who work in schools and educators who work in the capacity of an ed consultant to design and deliver high quality, high impact transformational professional development. I um, was kind of thrown into my leadership roles when I became an instructional coach um, and school leader and I had to figure out PD and it wasn't easy. Um, it was nerve wracking, to be honest, to go from teaching children to teaching adults. Um, but it quickly became something that I really, really loved doing. 
and I had the opportunity to lead the four-week summer institute for my charter network for multiple years in a row and got the opportunity to like coach other leaders around professional development and create this full experience and not just a single PD and saw the power of it for our teachers who are onboarding or just starting the new school year and then continuing that through the school year. So um, now, like I said, I help ed consultants, I help schools to design and deliver their PD. Um, and that is mostly around PD programs, um, meaning like a digital course or a professional development series or a group program. So uh, that's a little bit about me. I don't know if I answered all your questions, but I'm really excited right. about this conversation. <laughs> yeah, you have definitely hit the nail on the head. I am always so glad to collaborate with you. If y'all want to follow her on social, do it. She's got great images and small actionable tips. So it makes it easy. For example, if she puts something on social and you're like, that's really resonating with me, you could print it out. You could share it. You could put it in the staff room. Uh, you could share it with other teacher leaders who are planning PD. And obviously the takeaways are to just ensure that teachers are learning and applying their learning. And we'll get into the nitty gritty, but all of us have sat in things that could have one been an email or two just been much more engaging. And we left feeling like, what did I learn and how, what am I supposed to go and do? And so it really lacks the clarity. And there are a lot of things that we're going to discuss tonight that I'm going to call them secrets. Erica probably has a different term for them, but tools or strategies or frameworks. And they're really going to set the learning stage so that teachers can process what we're sharing, have time to really reflect on what it's going to look like for them. And then obviously the most important part is go back to their classrooms and implement it. And so if you're a teacher in this room, this is great. You can share this information with other folks. If you lead PD, obviously this is going to be right up your alley. If you lead PD for people who lead PD, <laughs> which is what Erica does, this is even more powerful to really ensure that we're, we're seeing a change in the way that teachers are leading students in the classroom and then how students are performing. And at the end of the day, that is what all this is for. And when we're not seeing the translation is when we're getting worried because we have a lot of talent in our school buildings that aren't being leveraged. And it's because of the way we're setting up the learning opportunities for us adults. So Erica, will you kick us off really quick and share a little bit about adult learning theory? I think some of us still kind of expect PD to be teaching to the kids and teaching like their kids, but there is this element of, hey, there's actually adults and we could leverage this. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, definitely. So um, there's definitely, I, I want to start off because I think that um, sometimes you can get in your head about like, oh my gosh, what is adult learning theory? Theory. theory. <laughs> I don't know how to teach adult learners. Like what, this is so overwhelming. I do want to say that like as educators, you know what learning looks like and it's, there are parallels between teaching adults and teaching students. So don't feel like you're starting from scratch. That's what I'll say first and foremost, like don't get in your head. Don't feel like it's like, oh my gosh, I know nothing. Like, you know what good learning looks like. And a lot of that can be translated to adults. And there's a lot that's different about adults too, right? So um, when I think about adult learning theory, I think I'm automatically of andragogy or andragogy, however you want to say it. It's like the equivalent of pedagogy, Malcolm Knowles, um, coined this term and created this theory and introduced some assumptions about adults and also some principles about adult learning. And so I could go through all of them, but I will kind of try to um, give, give a summary here. So when you think about adults, first and foremost, you have to remember that we are independent learners. We like to create our learning. We like to cater our learning to what it is we need. And so that can be really challenging when you have a group of 20, 30, even if it's only a group of five adults in front of you, they all need something different. And they all are have this self concept of being self-directed and autonomous. So thinking a lot about choice and differentiation with adults is really important. Um, and then you want to think about 
their experiences. So um, different than children, uh, children are have fewer, obviously, they've just been alive for a short amount of time. They have fewer experiences than adults may have. And so you want to remember that adults pull on and use their experience to make meaning of the learning. So as much as you can use their life experiences as a resource for learning is important. And then there are other assumptions, but I like to kind of bucket group them together around this idea of um, why, the why of the learning. So adults learn because they are in a specific role for learning. So um, one example, some of you might have heard me give before is like, I didn't need to learn how to sleep train a baby until I was a mom. Like if someone would have said to me, hey, Erica, let's take this sleep training course. And it was five years ago before I had my two and a half year old son, I would have been like, are you serious? Like I don't need to learn about sleep training. And teachers and educators similarly don't wanna learn about stuff that are not impacting their role. Time is precious um, as adults and in any um, any any uh, role. And so just making sure that that's part of the why. The other part of the why is like, it has to be problem centered. Adults want to learn to solve their problems. Not No longer are we learning based off of subjects like we do when we're in school as children. Even I would argue that people who are going back to uh, get their master's or PhD and it's like a topic, you know, like I'm going to get my master's in electrical engineering and that's a topic. They're doing that for a bigger problem, even if it's not like a super negative problem. It's a problem like they want to grow. They want to get a better job. So there's reasons why we learn that are usually problem centered. And lastly is our, in, our motivation is highly internal. Um, you, many of you work in elementary grades, you see that there's like a shift that happens from when children really care about the teacher, <clears throat> excuse me. Yes. They really care about the teacher and like what the teacher thinks about them. They want to please their teacher to that shift where they start to say like, I want to, uh, please my peers and also my own motivation. And so really as adults, we truly have that internal motivation. So when you're thinking about planning PD, um, instead of you just telling them why you're learning it, also letting them have an opportunity to reflect on their personal why um, is important as well. Thank you. I'm so glad you gave us kind of that rundown and help us think about who's in front of us. How can we share the information in a way that will make them care, right? Because once they care, they're now more motivated, more invested, which means when they're learning, they're going to be active recipients. They're going to want to ask questions. They're going to want to collaborate. And many of us have been in the position where we're leading PD and there's a lot of compliance happening. They're taking the notes or they're asking the question you want them to ask, or they're turning and talking with the neighbor, but there's really low investment. They're not motivated to really get to the bottom and problem solve and make whatever they're learning work for them. And as soon as they leave, they're done thinking about it. And so now that's just such a waste of time for everybody. And so we might chat about this later, but it's essential that you think about when we're together, what is it that I want to accomplish? I want them to leave being able to know something, to be able to do something. And in that meeting, how am I helping them be able to go and do that? Are you giving them time to figure out what it's going to look like? Are you giving them time to collaborate about what are their needs? What materials do they need access to? What support do they need once they're starting to implement? And a lot of us are just, when we're planning PD, we're thinking content. It's how can I get all of this out at one time and get it all in an hour or whatever it is, the time frame that we have. And that's really not the way that is going to translate to better student learning. We have to think about, all right, I've got all this content. I can't just sit up there and rattle it off. How many meetings is it going to take so I can parcel this out? Because I've got to build in more time for them to do the thinking, to do the planning, to do the executing, and all that takes time. And so instead of looking at it as I have one hour and I'm going to just tell them every secret I know about this new program or this new teaching strategy, you got to say, I've got to trim it all down. 
What do I want them to be able to, to know and be able to do? How can I set up the learning so that they are extremely active, that they are leading the learning? I am just facilitating and putting all the boundaries in place for them to be successful, but I really want them in the driver's seat. And then what is the protocol once they leave me? How am I going to ensure that they are ready to do this on their own? And when they do it once, how can we kick it up a notch and so on and so forth? So before I continue on, Erica, do you want to add your two cents about that? And hey, Amber and Dr. Dyron, hopefully I'm saying that correctly. Go ahead, Erica. Yeah, definitely. So um, one thing I wanted to highlight was um, how you, you spoke about starting with what basically the end in mind, right? Like, so what do you want folks to be able to leave doing, thinking, feeling, believing, knowing? And and that's a space where that's the same as teaching children, right? So when you and I said there were aspects that are similar, like you already know that. You already um, do know that as a strong classroom teacher that like you want to start with the end in mind and this very similarly um, the difference that, that Gretchen started to talk about is like you have this goal in mind but how is there a way that you can co-construct the learning with the adults in the space they um, no longer need you and even in with children I would argue that they don't need you to be the knower of all um, information, but to an extent, you know, children, you are guiding them a little bit more closely, whereas adults, like, they can add to the content. You can have them to build on what it is you, you've already brought as the facilitator of the learning. Um, and when you're thinking about this end in mind and the the way in which you get them there, my philosophy is less is more. Um, instead of working to cram in all the details, all of your knowledge, because you are steps ahead of your learners, of the teachers that you're supporting, or maybe leaders that you're supporting. So how can you bring it down to a bite-sized learning objective where they could, if they got everything they needed from you in this time, they'd be able to implement it pretty well. I'm not saying they would learn every, they would do it perfectly, but pretty well within a week. Like, can they, if they went and they, they really focused on this, could they be able to do this well within a week? If the answer is yes, then you probably have a good sized chunk for that amount of time. If the answer is no, then you might want to bring it back a little bit. This varies based off of the amount of time you have, but I'm thinking like a typical after school PD, um, do you have enough? Do you, how do you have? How do you balance that? So I really think that uh, thinking about less is more really helps because a lot of times we're far ahead of our learners and we just want to give them everything, and they cannot digest that. It's like drinking from a fire hydrant. Um, you don't get as much like water, but if you were to just pour it in this nice glass and say like, here you go. They would be so much, uh, so much better to easier to receive that water. So, um, I think really making sure that you are being conscious of the amount that you're giving them, and part of this goes back to like knowing your learners. So, if you're in the building with them every day, really making sure that you're in their space, getting to observe them, getting to talk to them, getting to know what they want, need. Um, desire for whatever the topic is and what you're teaching and, and facilitating around um, so that you know if it's too much or if they can maybe take some more and you might like I said have different learners and you might have to have three different tracks for a PD um, to, to kind of accommodate different people at different states where they're at um, and so you know it's not not as simple as just like putting together a PowerPoint and throwing all your thoughts on there. It's really about being conscious of your learners and how much you're giving them. Uh, that's so true. I'm just cringing at when, when I first started, like all of us, you're PowerPoint to death and you've got so much text on there and it's like sage on the stage and all the things that we hate. And I've learned you're right when you say less is more that I could sit up there and talk for 10 minutes 
And the next 30, 40 minutes is all that collaboration with me facilitating. And it's purposeful. It's not just like open-ended. And that's more impactful than had I stood up there the entire time to teach them all the things. You're right. They need like a mini lesson with students. Can you give them five, 10 minutes break for some networking, meaning they're writing on paper or they're chatting with multiple partners or they're journaling or they're ripping up lesson plans and rewriting them, or they're sitting with a student roster and thinking about different ways to support learners. And then now they're back to you for like another five, 10, 15 minutes this time. And the more that you can structure it so that they're learning, applying, learning, applying, they're able to process faster rather than sitting here for 40 minutes and then saying, okay, now who has questions? And you're like, oh my God, I don't even know where to start. You lost me 39 minutes ago. (laughs) And now we're down the road and it's too late. So, and me listening to you, Erica, it sounds like, and you might want to add some layers here. Think about number one, the content that you're delivering. So know it backwards, forwards, and all in between. Two, decide how am I going to deliver that? And I was sitting here thinking, I like how we were before talking about this can't just be a one and done. You need to have multiple sessions to just reinforce the learning, allow them to go out in their classrooms and try stuff. And they're going to come back with additional questions. But it doesn't mean you need to keep having PD sessions. It just means you might have email correspondence or a video when you're realizing it's a common question and I'm just going to answer it and talk it out or I'll model it. Or maybe you'll just do quick walkthroughs during a certain block if you're watching the implementation of some sort of program. Maybe you do a a micro PD or maybe you visit PLCs and your focus is on how are things going? what What is the data saying? What support do you need? Let me see lesson plans and how we can add in some more structure and support there. Maybe it's one-on-one with certain folks who are really high and want to push it, the needle to the next level, or maybe the folks who are really struggling and, and need to go back to the basics. Maybe you host practice rounds where staff comes in and they're just rotating through uh, a piece of the content they're teaching so they can get feedback, or maybe they're trying that instructional strategy for engagement or whatever it might be. Maybe it's a mentor check-in. I say all these to just let you know, it doesn't, learning doesn't always have to be a PD session. Professional development meets them where they are. Who needs hands off approach? Who needs really hands on approach? Who needs uh, a quick check every week? So when you start, like Erica said, knowing the people that are on your staff and knowing how they learn best, you now know, okay, this is the content I want. These are the different methods I'm going to use because I need multiple touch points. It cannot be, come listen to me talk, off you go, and we're just going to change the world. It doesn't work that way. So three is those tracks that you were mentioning, Erica. When you're differentiating for your teachers, who needs what? Maybe we all come for the initial PD all together, but then from there on out, it might look different based on what the needs are. Um, And so the method might change. Like I gave you a whole bunch of options and things I haven't even thought of, like you could change your PD menu and whatever else you, a chat board you might have in Google Classroom or whatever, Uh, get creative with it. Whatever's going to be a little reminder for them. Oh yeah, I've got to work on that this week. Or, oh yeah, let me think about what this could look like in this lesson or, or, oh yeah, I need to check in with my team and see how things are going. Um, But the last part there is, is our follow-up and our follow-through because if we just expect through osmosis, they're going to get it, they're going to be game changers and hearing us for five, 10 minutes, it's not going to happen. We've got to be able to go watch them in action. We've got to hear them talking with their teams And we've got to be able to see on multiple accounts, okay, they've got it. I've seen them in multiple uh, days in different parts of their lesson, and they consistently show they got it. And it's not to say some teachers are just stronger and some are weaker. It's how am I assisting their development? How am I supporting them 
to grow and change. And if you're not able to do that through these multiple methods, then we are failing them who are then they are failing kids and we take it seriously, but we have a lot of fun in doing so. And you've got to be super intentional. And I know Erica, you've got all the tips and tricks that you can certainly share. Uh, And before we dive into more secrets, I'll, I'll let you chime in. Yeah, so first I will say, if you're not taking notes, definitely make sure you come back to this replay because Gretchen just gave you like 25 (laughs) different ways to develop teachers. I was just like, this is like amazing. So um, yes, I just, I just had to say that, that, that just automatically can up your uh, effectiveness, right? Like you just have all these different uh, ways to, to pull on. So that was, that was awesome, Gretchen. But um, one thing that you said, um, was about like doing a mini lesson and getting folks into the work time. One of the other pieces about adult learning is that, um, folks really learn from experiences. And so I think as much as you can make your professional development, whether that be, and I totally agree that like PD is not just these sit and get professional like experiences or trainings. Um, PD is like any time a professional is being developed or developing (laughs) like that uh, um, is my um, non-polished definition. So uh, that being said, as much as you can make it an experience, whether it be a um, created experience that is not the real thing, but it is close to a real thing, a simulation of sorts, or whether it is um, a uh, actual experience when they are right in the classroom and you are there giving in the moment feedback, encouragement, affirmation, supports adjustments like all those are experiences and so trying to broaden your definition of PD to not just be like okay we have this time set for PD on in my school it was every Wednesday afternoon so I have to create the PowerPoint and create the handouts and stand up and facilitate like that's not actually what you have to do you have to think about like we talked about earlier what's the end goal and then how is what's the simplest fastest um most, I don't really like this word, but I can't think of any, like, sticky way, I know people, like, way that's going to stick with folks um, in order to get people to, like, remember this information and use it and use it to make change within their classroom so that ultimately students are getting a better educator in front of them every single day. Um, as much as possible. And so, yeah, I think thinking about your professional development as an experience, I just held a training yesterday. And one of the things I shared was that like, for me, I, we were talking about a PD program. And for me in schools, you should be thinking about a PD program. You should never be thinking about one experience in silo. That is just does not work. We, we don't, I think Gretchen said, we choose the one and one and done. Like, no more one and done. So no, no PD should be thought about by itself. So you should have more of a full program. And so um, when I think about the, the whole experience, I think about it as being the difference between an Applebee's, no shade to Applebee's. I worked at Applebee's in college. I will eat at Applebee's. But it's the difference between Applebee's and this restaurant in D.C. called I, I live in the Mar- D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. It's called RPM. It's this really nice fancy Italian restaurant, one of my favorites. I love it, but it's an experience when you go there. When you walk in, they know your name. They know you have your reservation. They walk you to your table. They put the napkin on your lap for you. They scrape the table between courses and like get the crumbs off. Like that's not happening at Applebee's. I'm not talking about Applebee's after I go to Applebee's. It's like, okay, I ate fine, cool, whatever, moving on. But when I go to RPM, I'm like, oh my gosh, mom, we went to RPM. I'm telling her like, this is what we got. This is a, It's an experience. I'm not forgetting about it. And that's how you want your PD to feel. You want it to be something that people are talking about afterwards and remembering and thinking about. And to Gretchen's point, it doesn't stop at that one experience. You have to create this through line 
to where you might, like she said, might be texting them, reminding them. You might do a uh, five minute layup drills where people are just practicing, go to the next person, the next person practice, just practice, practice, practice until the five minutes is over or three minutes, however much time you have. You might do a like 10 minute individual reflection where no one's even talking for the whole time, but that is a development experience because they have time to sit and reflect and think about how they're doing with this specific area of professional development that you're working on as a school or as a group. So um, the experience is a big thing for me because I also think sometimes we take for granted that we just have these people in front of us and we have to give them this PD and it can feel like uh, just another task we have to do. And um, I will say that um, I've seen Eva, I don't, I'm sorry if I'm not saying your name correctly, if it's Eva or Eva, so you have to come on stage and tell me or tell me on the back channel. Um, but I've seen on your Instagram, like you like create some stuff for your people and make them feel like cared. I can just see through the, the what you're creating for your teachers that like they feel cared, they feel loved. Like that's the type of thing you want them to walk away remembering because then they're more likely to implement your learning because uh, so much of learning is about relationships and them feeling comfortable learning with you and from you and so um I, I don't even know how I started here but yes just just the experience think about that I agree with you it's, it is all about the experience it, the caveat to that is exactly what I would tell teachers you don't need a dog and pony show we're not up here with amazing music and all these colors. And I've been to PD like that and it's great and it's hype and it's exciting, but just remember that there's magic and the simple stuff too. As long as your learning opportunity allows them to be active participants, it could be simple all day long and still be powerful. And so don't feel like to make an experience, I've got to have the lights dimmed and I've got to come into music and I've got to have all these visuals like cool. That's awesome. But remember at the end of the day, it's not about you. It's not about all the bells and whistles. Try and really focus on, okay, I've said this one piece. What do I want them to do with it? How do I want them to remember it? Why is it important for them to remember this? How is this going to impact their kids? How do I encourage them to empathize with the importance of learning this and getting really good at it? And how do I help them help each other? How do I build that ownership? How do I give them a simple win so that they can feel confident, which will then motivate them to keep trying, right? And so I, I agree, it's got to be an experience, but don't let fool yourself in that it has to, you know, be the bells and whistles, simple and active. So Erica, I want to bring it back to you, by the way. Hey, John and Earl and Antoinetta, um, you were mentioning over planning is one of the downfalls of PD. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you mean by over planning? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's funny because it's some of it is what you were just saying, like just being in your head about I need every, all of the things, like I need to have this super fancy PowerPoint, this amazing handout, I need to have all these resources, I need to have like cut out stars to put on each table for what reason I don't know <laughs> like it's just a little bit about like all of the bells and whistles like you call it Gretchen but also I think that it's about um we already kind of talked about this like giving too much information and very concretely it's about um if you have 60 minutes for a PD scheduling all 60 minutes um there, if you are doing um, an experience well, you are going to get engaged learners who want to talk and want to share and want to learn from each other. You might get some questions you that are like, bring up some really deep conversation. Um, you might get a practice round that is going so well and people are making mistakes and helping each other get better 
that you planned for 10 minutes and you're like, I need this to keep going for the next 15 to 20 minutes because there's real learning happening and we're getting to the outcome that I wanted. Um, And so I never suggest that you plan for all of the minutes you have because um, if you really want to do it well, you're probably going to have to find some more time within that that PD for different things. And then the other thing um, is that if, for example, you don't fill up the time, um, just just let people go do work. <laughs> like if you planned, if you have 90 minutes and you plan 75 and you get done at 80 minutes, like just let them go. Uh, you will be forever loved for that, I'm sure, for by some people. So I just think sometimes we get so, uh, we, we're like sticklers for like, we have to use every minute and we don't have a lot of, like, I have to take, like, it's okay to, um, to, to plan less. Like I already said this, less is more. Um, but concretely, I would say like, give yourself 10 to 15 minutes flex time, depending on the, if you have a five hour long PD, then maybe you want to give yourself 60 minutes of flex time or 45 minutes. It just kind of depends. But yeah, I think over planning sometimes can uh, one help make us be in our head. And then we have too much happening during the PD and it gets like very uh, like confusing and, and like you're jumping from thing to thing versus keeping it simple. And then also it can mean that you are just cramming too much into a amount of time and people can't, don't have time for processing. Yeah. And one of my biggest mistakes when I overplanned, cause I was that person who's like, I got 60 minutes. I'm on plan 60 minutes is that you don't allow time to be responsive. And what we tell teachers is we got to leave room for teachable moments. Kids are going to ask questions. It's related. You want to answer it. You want to go on a quick side tangent it all aligns. You got to make room for that stuff because that's that's where some good conversation and connections are made. And so if you don't leave that buffer time, then you're going to miss out on really a- allowing the learning to sink in and going on a fast forward motion and just cramming it in is not going to get you the results that you want. Um, and so and tr- allow yourself, and I agree with you that you know, five, 10, maybe even 15 minutes time to do Q and A, or if you have a parking lot where they've been writing questions that don't quite fit where you are in the PD, but they want it answered, then you want to go through that, or you want to give them time to meet with different grade levels or subject areas, or just have some quiet processing time to plan and, and get ready to implement whatever they're, they're saying and, or, or sorry, whatever they're going to be teaching. And one thing that I have learned, and I was sharing this with you, Erica, before we had this chat, is every minute that you spend talking is one less minute that they have to collaborate and implement their learning. And that goes back to that sage on the stage. I I used to think is I had to keep the learning moving. I had to keep talking. And what ended up happening was I never leveraged silence. Sometimes silence is allowing them to catch up what went in their ears and is now in the brain and they just need a minute. They need to sit on it, especially if it's something powerful or unique, they need to chew on it. And if you're rushing to the next thought because you don't want dead air and you don't want anyone to get bored, then they're not going to be able to take what you're saying and think about how does this apply to me? What could I do with this? What would this look like in my classroom? How would this transform my own level of teaching? How is this going to impact student learning? None of that's happening because they're just consuming, 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 and they're not placing their knowledge in little buckets in their brains. And so you've got to slow down. Definitely repeat yourself. Anything that's important and essential, any sort of takeaway, have it on a visual, have it on a slide, have it printed out, say it over and over. And then people will leave and still say, oh, I didn't hear her say that or hear him do that. And you're like, oh my God, are you kidding? It's everywhere. The only place I didn't write it was the wall. Uh, and so just 
allow yourself time to to slow the the speech down and think about the most essential pieces of information and how can I continue to weave that in and if you're overplanned and you're staring at the clock trying to cram it in you're not going to be able to really be an effective presenter and that kind of goes to something else we've chatted about before this chat is time management and how some PD facilitators are horrible time managers and the clock is dinging and they teachers got to go and you're still on point number two out of 12. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then there are folks like me who's so on time that I'm pushing through because I'm prioritizing time instead of prioritizing learning and we do a disservice to teachers. So Erica, speak to us a little bit about time management. Yes. Um, Gretchen, can you tell me if you can hear my son in the background? It's totally fine, though. Okay. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, it's bedtime. He's having a moment. Um, uh, yes. So there was something I wanted to say. Yeah. Oh, one, one thing before you, before I go to the time management, you, um, talked about slowing down, repeating yourself, being okay with, um, like the time for folks to process if you have a full like program built out um where you are and it's not just this one experience it totally lessens your uh, i'll use the word anxious for lack of a better word right now but like your anxiousness around like i've got to give everything in in this one pd so what I would say is like, just make sure you're planning strategically about the longevity of your professional development and not just like, you know, what's happening this week or even this month, because that allows you to like relax a little bit and, and know that even though this is only 60 minutes, I know I have another 60 minutes in two weeks and I'm going to get to the, these points. You don't feel so pressured. So I will say that. Um, and then time management. So time management, I think uh, it, it's kind of feel could feel in opposition to a tip that we kind of just gave, which was like, give time for these um, learn these um, moments where people teachable moments and give time for people to have these conversations. And if learning is going really well, extend the time that you had allotted to this activity. Um, there is like this, this is where it comes, becomes like an art, right? You, you gotta find the balance between your, um, time when you let things go and times when you cut it off. Like if a conversation is going off topic, you've got to find that finesse to be like, thank you so much for this point. We're going to stop this here and move forward for the sake of this this learning and we can come back to that in a future time or after this experience or over email or whatever way you communicate at your school maybe in our more like and make a note so i think being comfortable with like letting things go but then also with shutting stuff down if it's not on topic just just practicing those like um, all right, we're going to move forward, like practicing your little sayings that you would use to transition, or even if you have to cut some off, okay, I'm going to stop us here. So sorry for cutting you off. We've got to move forward. We have a few more things to get to, like feeling comfortable doing that and at being the true like leader in that space um, as the person who's just guiding and leading the, um, leading the PD. Some like tactical things, I suggest that even though I just said don't account for every minute, you account for every minute, but one of some of those minutes are flex minutes. Um, but you give every minute a timestamp. And I highly suggest that you not only say in your notes that like this is going to be 20 minutes, but you say that this is going to happen from 8.40 to 9 a.m. or p.m., whatever. You know, like you put the actual amount of time and the actual time because what for me when i'm like in it i can't do that math really quickly but i can look at my notes and say okay uh, it's 8 40 i was supposed to um be in this section right here and so what do i need to do to adjust time so some of it is that um and and that might mean like you know during a this while folks are discussing after you walk around and give some feedback you take you know 
30 to 60 seconds to yourself to, to do those adjustments on the fly to be responsive um, while you're managing your time. Uh, this may be maybe too low level for this group, but like start on time, you know, like be the leader in this space. Don't, don't get, give uh, people grace, but also just hold the expectation that like we're starting on time because we do have um, work to get through and we have some learning to do and, and be the cheerleader for being excited about getting started and into the learning at the time that you um, said. Um, yeah, I think those are, those are my time management tips right now that I can think of. Yeah. I was going to add about cutting and adding options. So when I create PD, I create, this is what I think will be effective for the time I have accounting for some, some questions and some longer engagement in terms of discussion or whatever. But I always have this little section that's either on the back or to the side that's like, okay, if I need to add activities because we flew through it or add different learning experiences, this is what I can do. Or, okay, if I'm like really behind because we are vibing and they have got great questions and we're behind and it's actually okay because it's serving us, uh, which is very rare times, but it does happen. We're like, wow, this, we actually went off the plan and it's working really well, but I do have, these are the things that I'm going to cut. So it's, it's essential when you're planning that you're already thinking through what am I going to add if I need it? And what could I take away that is a non-essential, but would be nice if I have time for it. And that way, when you're looking at the clock and trying to time yourself, like Erica's mentioning, uh, pacing yourself, you already know like, oh, I'm in the danger zone or no big deal. And you're not up there panicking and then you're not present for what's happening in front of you. That allows you to be flexible, to move things around if necessary without losing the flow and losing the spark. And, and so be sure to kind of have options B and C in the wings. So Erica, let's dive into low engagement. I know a lot of us fear when teachers are just staring at us. They're not interested in what we have to say. They are in no way wanting to participate or really take any ownership in the learning. So what tips do you have for low engagement? Yeah, um, I like this one because I'm just like, once you facilitated enough PD, I think you start to just be like, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about it. Like you're gonna, you're gonna engage, and if you don't, we can just talk about that. But I do think uh, part of the reason why you get comfortable with like not being so uh, nervous about low engagement or worried about it is just because you build up some facilitator moves that. Um, usually lead to higher engagement, so you don't get too too worried. But I will say, um, definitely making sure you know your people um, and doing some work, if necessary, before the PD, before the experience to um, make sure you have that relationship. Uh, talk to folks like you'll get to know this this teacher is not going to be like that interested in this I know they're going to have this this uh, feeling for whatever reason and so talk to them beforehand hey we're doing this PD any suggestions you have um, for making it uh, as engaging as impactful you know what what questions do you have that I could address during it um, just getting them involved in the beginning before it even happens that builds that investment because they're like, oh, I actually helped give input around this. So do that if possible um, with the, the folks you know. And, and if you know your team, you would know who to cater that to and go to. Um, and then one of the things I just posted about recently was like, sometimes I think we get we feel nervous about treating our adults like sorry just got a call um can you all hear me yeah it went out for a second but you're good okay um yeah i was saying we don't ask um folks to engage because we worry that they're going to um 
think we're treating them like children, but I would just like urge everyone to remember that adults need to do the practice and do the work too to um to learn and so don't feel like you're treating them like children if you do like a cold call or a warm call um where i i'm not sure if everyone knows a cold call is around like just calling someone like ask the question just call someone or maybe you see people you're walking around during a discussion and they're talking and you say Oh, hey, Miss Lewis, I really like what you're saying right now. I'm going to ask you to share that out whole group, whole group. So you give them a little bit of a um, heads up that you're going to ask them to to discuss. And then this is a great teacher move that I'm sure we all do really well, like use wait time and let them know I'm going to wait because I know sometimes we just need some processing time to be able to share our thoughts. Also, you can use everybody writes, which is a technique that a lot of teachers use where you have scholar scholars, you have teachers um, or your your participants to write first. So then when they're sharing, they have some something to refer back to when they're sharing versus just sharing off of off of the cuff. Um, and then as long as you are continuing to think about practice, um, you know, encouraging and, and giving affirmations around the practice will encourage people to continue to engage. So a lot of times we feel like our job is to provide feedback, corrective feedback, which is definitely part of it. But another part of feedback is giving them affirmation so that you can say, this is what um, you did really well. And that helps people to learn because they can now continue it because sometimes they didn't even know that that's what they were doing well. And, um, and it also encourages them, encourages them to continue to participate. So those are some tips that I would say start out with. I hear you sharing some of those teach like a champion techniques, <laughs> cold call, everybody writes. It's, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to forget, you know, <laughs> you, you, do PD on it so many years in a row, then it just it stays with you. <laughs> They're good. They're good for everybody. I want to say hey to Miss McKenzie. Uh, Miss Kimberly was just hopping in and out. So hey to her as well. So before we dive into this last section, everyone in the room, I'd love to hear from you. Either there's that little speech bubble at the bottom. If you don't have the latest update, you can just use the airplane and message me. But I want to know your biggest takeaway. And just type it in to me. That would help us greatly. And we'll share those out too. So Erica, let's dive in. While they're doing that, I want you to tell me about tips for getting around either challenging and difficult PD topics or challenging and difficult participants. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this probably should have just been looped in with the engagement piece. I think one of the things is to do some, some pre- pre-conversations with folks um, around what might be challenging. I think the other thing is like just being honest. Um, and I, sometimes it can be very scary to be the person standing up in front and it feels like you have to say everything right, but just being honest with how you're feeling and what you're believing and thinking in that moment and making sure everybody knows that like you are you're a human who is um, able to and will make mistakes. Um, and so it's okay that if a conversation feels tough and you don't handle it well or what someone else thinks as well, because that's also, also subjective. Um, so just know that like you, you should feel as comfortable as possible with being honest um, about your beliefs and feelings and thoughts too. Um, and that makes the difficult conversation easier because people are reminded that like, this is just human to human. The other thing I've done in the past is like, sometimes when you're facilitating it to a larger group, you're standing up. I actually have like pulled up a chair and sat down and it, it some does something to just like, we're all on the same level. Like, let's just have this conversation. And then like in the conversation, being still being the facilitator, the owner, the leader to, to continue things and shut things down if needed. But, um, 
like it doesn't all fall on you just remembering that like it's not all your responsibility I'm sure whatever the conversation is it is like a team conversation and it impacts everyone and so being like comfortable with not talking and letting other people talk um and and listening and letting them know that you're hearing them by repeating back what they're saying and just double checking that you're hearing the right thing also can go a long way. Yeah, and I would also say sometimes with my most difficult and I can see their faces because it really forced me to get creative in the moment. The people who are the most disengaged honestly have a lot of value to give either they are very experienced or they've attended a lot of trainings before, or sometimes they are just so disinterested in this as a career, maybe it's just a job for them, but that's really helpful because now you know what weaknesses that team has because the level of investment is going to differ based on the teachers. And then, you know, which teacher you really need to support because the kids aren't getting the same experience to bring that word back up. And so one question, if I, if I can see those who are disengaged or being difficult, maybe they're a little combative or they're telling me this isn't going to work or whatever. I always say, what is one obstacle that comes to mind right now when you're thinking about implementing your learning? And a lot of them are not thinking about implementing their learning. They're thinking about the grocery list what they're going to do after. And so when you ask them that, it forces them to think about this content. And many times they'll say, I don't know, you know, I, I haven't really thought about it. Well, let's think about it because if we can think about what barriers are in front of you right now, we can spend this time together thinking about getting over them. So instead of them feeling like she's going to teach me everything I already know, now it's this new thing oh, so she's really here to help me figure this out and implement it or, or help me overcome this challenge. And now they start paying attention. And once they're paying attention, they realize, oh, I have learned a lot about this, but maybe I haven't learned everything. And, oh, you've asked me a, a question and I'm actually listening and, and pondering. And now I'm thinking about my kids. And it kind of changes their demeanor because it allows them to engage in a safer way that acknowledges that they have something to give, that they've got knowledge and experience, but yet again, it's not um, making them feel awful about it. And, and nine out of 10 times they come around and they stay after to ask questions or thank you so much or, or whatever. So don't look at someone and take a personal number one, who's disengaged or two think all is lost. Always go up to them when it's, everyone's working and no one's really paying attention and just ask them a simple question about what's the biggest barrier in front of you right now to implement this. And I think you'll be surprised at their answer and, and how much they're going to turn around and be more invested. Uh, so with that, Marilyn, I want to say, Hey, I'm so glad you made it. I know you were really dying to get into this room and to share. So I'll bring you up. I know you wanted to, um, ask or answer or share some tidbits. And I'll also remind you, you can catch the replay here or on my podcast. And then before we do that, I also, Erica, want to get into the chat that we've got going and everyone's sharing their takeaways, which is really great. So Marilyn, I pass the mic to you. Hello, Gretchen. I'm so, I'm so sorry I was late. I was actually doing my meal prep and getting ready for the week. Um, I know Erica invited me to come up, but I feel like since I'm late, I really just want to listen and um, take it all in. Um, but I do want to agree with, with what you were saying about listening um, and really allowing the teachers that we're working with to know that we're not always there to solve the problem, to come up with the, all the ideas. Um, when I do my coaching cycles, I take down lots of notes while we're talking. Um, and then I always end it with, you know, what do you want to do? I know there's a lot here. What's one thing that you want to do? Um, and I think that has been really successful for me. Um, but again, since I'm not, haven't been here, I feel like I need to get um, caught up with the conversations that you've already had. No worries. And we can, 
continue these conversations offline too. So feel free to message us once you get Perfect. all caught up. But thanks for coming up and good to see you. You're welcome. Thank you, Gretchen. Okay, so Erica, let's dive in to our chat and see everyone's um, takeaways here. Fancy, your biggest takeaways, making it experience without overwhelming participants. Yes, remember, keep it simple, but keep it active, ensuring that they are the drivers of the bus. Christina, always good to have you in our rooms. Biggest takeaways, keeping it simple and allowing those teachable moments to happen. Yeah, it happens with adults, and it's actually the most important thing to happen. It's the aha moment. It's what changes them from being passive learners to active learners increasing the likelihood that they go out and do what you just taught them to do. So embrace the teachable moments. And like Erica said, make room and time for those things to happen. Eva, always good to see you. You said, don't forget to plan for processing time, right? Because when I was giving them all the content, all the content, all the content, I didn't allow a breathing second for them to just take the information they heard and categorize it in their brains to save it from short-term to long-term memory, which means if they leave my room and I've just been talking at them, they're never going to be able to access that information and implement it. So allow processing time and keep in mind to communicate the why of the PD. Yes. Miss McKenzie says, survey and talk to teachers to tailor PD to their interests. That's great differentiation. Feel connected to the plan. They understand the purpose. We're all on the bus going the same direction, but are we all invested in where we're going? And, and PD is a great way to do that. You're going to be talking about student voices and accountable talk. And I see you even at the end shared with Christina the way you're going to do it, recording discussions and having a student panel. That sounds so exciting. So keep us posted, Ms. McKenzie, on how that goes. John, you've used cold call and everyone writes, but you just haven't done it with adults. I know, right? Sometimes the greatest teaching strategies we already have, let's just use them with adults um, and thinking about each minute, even if you're planning for pause, wait, listen, walk the room, just allow yourself to really be thoughtful about what you're doing every minute. Um, let's see what else. Melissa, good to see you again. Takeaways to make PD purposeful, intentional. Yes. And make good use of time. That is some awesome, awesome takeaways. Erica, what do you think about what they had to say? I am loving all of it. And I'm also uh, wanting to just bring to light this meta moment. Um, I'm so thankful, Gretchen, for this question. I think the last time we did uh, the clubhouse room, I don't, rem I don't, we might have ended with this. Maybe the back channel wasn't there. I don't remember, but this feels new to me. And I just wanted to highlight that, like, this is also a really great uh, facilitator move that Gretchen just did in a, a great way. Um, I know, I think most of us probably end with exit tickets. So having one of them be like, what's your biggest takeaway is just a really good confirmation for you to know what people are remembering right now. Um, and uh, if it's aligned to what you hope they would remember, if it's not, then, you know, making some adjustments. Um, and then also knowing how then you're going to support them after. Because as a reminder, it's not just that experience. The professional development should be happening continuously in many different ways. So I'm really excited to hear what folks uh, mentioned and thank you all for sharing it. Yeah, this is the bridge. So yes, I wanted to know, like, did you get something out of this? But more importantly, if I know what you prioritized or what your takeaway is, I can then bring that up next time I'm either setting up another learning opportunity for you or I'm passing you in the hallway or we're having a coaching cycle it's, hey, remember when we were last learning together, you mentioned having intentional planning or really being thoughtful of your time management, or you really like serving teachers um, or serving the student needs, or you really liked the fact of using teaching strategies with adults, whatever it is, you're bringing it up. So when you ask either on the exit ticket or like I did, that's information, that's data for you of how to support them going forward. Cause they're now telling you their takeaway, which is really their goal 
for what they're trying to accomplish. And when you know what their goal is, you can then better serve them. So pay attention, save them. I write them into my, my roster of people I support. I write in what are their goals. And each time I'm checking in with them, I'm asking, how are we progressing with this? Are you starting to build new habits to do this? How is it going? What support do you need from me? So it's really great information in addition to just, did you find this valuable? So with that being said, we are right at time. Erica, thank you for all your wealth of knowledge. Can you tell us how to connect with you, please? Yes, thank you. Um, so the best way to connect with me now is on Instagram. Um, I believe it's it's in my bio. But yeah, definitely, please, please, please send me DMs. I love to chat with folks. Um, and just check out the content there. Let me know what resonates, what questions you have. And yeah, I'm always looking to meet new folks and connect. Erica, are you going to do another round of your free training on designing and delivering PD? Yes, I will say that the free training was this time focused on ed consultants very heavily, not to say it's, it's a, it's my framework that I use with both schools and ed consultants, but I really catered it there. Um, so if anyone does that, that would be, you know, something to, to look out for, but I am, um, looking, I'm actually going to be speaking at a few different, uh, conferences coming up this summer for a lot of coaches. So, um, that's probably the best lookout for that. That would probably be the best way to like learn from me at a, I think there'll be lower cost conference tickets, hopefully. Okay, cool. That's awesome. I'm so thankful each and every one of you showed up. We've had over 20 people popping in and out, which is great. Uh, taking their own learning tips, share with your friends, whatever you're learning, let them know. This doesn't have to be a secret. We don't need to keep secrets of all our secrets, right? We can share so that everyone gets better each time. And remember, we are here Sundays, 8 Eastern. We're going to start doing every other week. So I won't see you next Sunday, but the Sunday after that, I will be here. So I hope to see you there. Go be great. Thanks, Gretchen. Thanks, everyone. All right, Elite Educators, I hope you found value in that Clubhouse chat. All resources mentioned will be in the show notes. Just visit www.alwaysalesson.com, click on podcast, and find this bonus episode. Wishing you an empowered school year. Go be great.